Would you stand with me, please? Let's have a word of prayer. Today, Lord, as we conclude Obadiah, we have spent this time over these last few months going through this series. Two months in preaching and a few months when other things happening. But we want to thank you for the wonderful privilege of being able to study this minor prophet. So much is going on in this in these passages. And today as we bring this portion to a conclusion, we pray that God that you will help us to hear the word of God. That we will allow God your word to make application to our lives. That we will allow it to do the work on the inside that we can walk out what you have called us to do. We thank you right now. May we remember that we have been called to be faithful to you. That we are to remember that obedience to your word is better than sacrifice. We honor you and give you give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you remain standing if you could? I'm going to read a few passages and I want you to follow along with me. Obadiah 19 through 21. Then I'll be reading 2 Kings 17, verse 6, and then Deuteronomy, a few selected passages. But this is what it says, Obadiah 19 through 21. Those of the Negev shall possess Mount Esau, and those of the Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria. And Benjamin shall possess Gilead. The exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath. And the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Sepharad shall possess the cities of the Negev. Savior shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Zion and the kingdom of Shall be the Lord's. Second Kings chapter 17, verse 6. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria. And he carried the Israelites away to Assyria and placed them in Hala and on the Habar, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1, verses 2 and 7. 28, 1, 2, and 7. This is how it reads. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The title of this message, you may be seated. When pride meets with coming judgment. Part 8, when pride meets with coming judgment. Part 8. As I've said, we have been going through the book of Obadiah, and we have been looking at selected passages. And today, I want to 
draw your attention to the passage in the book of Deuteronomy. Longing for that which the Lord warns against will eventually result in captivity. If we pursue that which the Lord warns against, it will eventually result in captivity. The life of God's people was a life of sin, repentance, forgiveness by God, restoration, and God destroying the enemies of his people. The return from captivity and expansion of territory of the children of Israel was an act of God's mercy. Verses 19 and 20 of Obadiah go together. When you look at those verses, it is a, it is a message of restoration and a message of possessing once again what the Lord had promised long ago that he would give his people. Some of you have forgotten the promise that God made to you. And you are running on empty in your tanks. Some of you have felt that because my blessing or what the Lord has said to me, I don't, haven't yet experienced, I don't think it's going to happen. The Lord told the Israelites when they were going to Judah, you're going to be there for 70 years. 70. He said, go ahead and make it your home. Settle in, have children, make that place your home. You're going to be there a while. Some of the people that would be going back to Jerusalem had never been there because they would have been children that had been born in Babylon, born in captivity. But the Lord made a promise that they were going to return and that Edom was going to be destroyed. That return was an act of God's mercy. The formula has not changed today to be a blessed people of God. How do you be a blessed people of God? How is that? How does that happen? Well, it happens because you are obedient to his word. Point number one is this. Weigh carefully the plan of blessing. Weigh carefully the plan of blessing. When you look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, Deuteronomy speaks to the second generation of the children of Israel that are going to be going into the land of promise. The first generation had decided that they would like to go back to Egypt and that they were not going to obey God. And so the Lord told them that they would get their wish and they would die in the desert. The Lord says that you are not going to the land. And the very children that you said would not make it, I am taking them into the land. And so what you find in the book of Deuteronomy, you find that the Lord is now speaking to that second generation, and he is reiterating or giving again that law, which we call the second law. Deuteronomy means the second law. It is being told again now to the children. Have you ever told your children, or had you made a promise to yourself when you were being raised, when you were, when you were growing up, growing up and having children, that you were going to treat your children differently than how you were raised? Some of you said that you found yourself saying the exact same thing. Your dad or mom or whoever raised you, you were doing the same thing and saying those same lines that you heard. And you swore up and down you would not do that. It came natural. Why? Because it was in there. The very thing that they did, they were doing, you said those lines. You carried out these things. Your parents said, boy, girl, cut that out. 
knock, stop it or I'll knock you into next week. Lo and behold, you find yourself saying those things to your children. I'm going to punish you. You ain't coming out till you're 18. We say things uh, with, the, with the idea somehow that we're going to carry down. We know we're not going to carry out a lot of that. But consequences and punishment is a part of life. When we want to avoid consequences and we want to avoid punishment, the best thing to do is to obey what's right. The Lord did not hold back in telling the children of Israel what would be their blessings as well as what would be their curses. The reason that I'm going back to Deuteronomy as we conclude Obadiah is because we talk about where the blessings begin. Now, the Lord told Abraham, but in the experience or working out of that plan, it was the children of Israel that were going to enter the promised land. We find in Obadiah that the children had forgotten the promises of God and they committed sin, so therefore they experienced the curses of God, and now they are going to be returning to the land to possess it. How do we avoid the curses of God? We need to weigh carefully the plan of God's blessings. We cannot say that we have failed because of a lack of information. You can't say that you failed because you don't have enough information. People the world over have at their fingertips Vast amounts of information. You want to avail yourself to the technology, it is right there in front of you. You have every opportunity and availability to get all types of information right at your fingertips. Today I see people on the buses, on the trains, I don't even want them. They're looking at their phones and they don't even see what's happening in front of them. There have been people that have broken legs and fallen downstairs because they were looking at their phones or doing something else. Why? They got distracted because of all the information. Today, a few clicks of a button, a few swipes up and down or diagonally, and you have right now entered into the world of information. Tell you that day when that little two or three-year-old kid came into my office with his parents and said, What's your Wi-Fi password? And I looked at his parents, what? I stand amazed today that what we have available to us is still claimed to be insufficient. And we cry foul and that we are not being treated right. We have everything at our disposal and today we still say we're not being treated right. When the people of God have God on their side and we cry first, rather than look to the scriptures of God, I would say that we have forgotten what God has promised us. When we cry and say what we don't have, then we have forgotten the fact of what God has promised us. Obadiah verses 19 and 20 is a renewing and expansion of what God said that he would do for his people. He told them, I'm going to bring you back into the land, and I'm going to expand your territories. You're going to come from the lowlands of the Shephelah. You're going to come from that place, which means lowland, and I'm going to expand your territory. Do you not know that it would be the exiles who are returning from captivity 
that would be the ones to defeat those in the land. The remnant, the exiles are going to be the ones that's going to benefit. Do you not know that you are the recipient of the blessings of prayer that have gone up for you? You are often, you are here today, many of you, because somebody prayed for you. If God has promised you something, the enemy's days are numbered. Whatever the plot of ground the enemy right now may be standing, his days are numbered if God has made you a promise. Yes, it took captivity. For the children of us, of Israel, who went to Assyria that we read in Second Kings, and then it took the children of Judah who went to Babylon, it took them going into captivity to be able to realize that they were better off being in God's presence by obeying him. It would take disobedience in captivity to get God's people's attention. God said that it was going to be the remnant that would return and occupy the land. Today some people say, if that's all it is, I don't want it. Well, I said, give me your peace then. <laughs> In the book of Deuteronomy, God ultimately told the second generation to weigh carefully the life of blessing and cursing that he was laying out before them. It was not going to be a guessing game, but it was told them very specifically what the plan of God was and what the layout was for the obedience as well as for the disobedience. Well, aren't you glad that God lays it out plain? You should take some time to read Deuteronomy chapter 28. It is a fascinating book. And when you look at the page, pages there, it really is a treaty of God telling them what he would do for them if they followed his path. You see, many people think that God wants to do us harm. Why is God telling me to do this? He must have it in for me. We tend to really forget who God is if we think that God has your worst interest in mind. He has your best interest in mind. The fact that he made you in his image. He designed you after himself. He gave you his will and he gave you a mind, emotions. He gave you purpose. You got a mind to think. You got intellect. You got a will. You got emotions. All of the things here makes up you, God's image. And somehow we think that God has it in for me. It cannot be hit and miss with God. In one day, out the next. In one day, out the next. God wants faithfulness. The children of Israel got in trouble because they wouldn't be faithful. And so they often experienced the curses of God, not recognizing that they had every privilege to, to, every privilege to be in the very blessings of the Almighty God. Faithfulness is not an option, nor is it to be practiced at your convenience. You should push your way to get to church. You should push your way to be faithful. God's waking up, I don't know if I want the sun to shine today. And, I don't know, I'm going to just leave it down. Sun, stay down today. God said in Psalms, as long as it is a day, God said the sun is always going to rise. He put it in place. He put it in motion. I'm not worrying about the greenhouse effects and what's happened to the atmosphere. God told me to enjoy this world, and I'm going to enjoy it. Breathe in the good air and the bad. Why? 
Because God created it for us. And one day he's going to destroy it and make it over again. So you go ahead and get this. Everyone that is concerned about what's going to happen with the earth and don't have this, guess what? The Lord's going to destroy it one day. They're going to pass off the sea. I don't care if you live 200 years of age, the earth will still be here if the Lord tarries. Do we take care of it? Yes, we do. But I'm going to use my plastic bottles as long as they make them. (laughs) And I'm going to eat me some cows. I mean, I mean, for those that 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 are vegetarian, that's fine. Are vegan? That's that's fine. But don't don't try to make me one. I'm not one. I like bacon. I had some ham this morning. I went right over the base. I want to, I want a, I want a pancake, two eggs. I want a piece of ham. Sat back there and cut it all up. Ate all of it and did not feel guilty. Yes. Give me a good burger. I may get a turkey burger every once in a while. Mm-mm, give me some beef. Why, God made it. He said I can have it. When we think about what God has given and blessed us with, we have to appreciate it. We must be faithful. What God wants is us to be faithful. He told the children of Israel, told you to obey me and I'll bless you. Then when your enemies come at you, I'll call them to flee in seven directions. I'll cause them to just scatter if they come against you. The Lord says, I would make you high above all the other nations. Why? Because they have the creator of the universe on their side. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 7, And when the Lord had a provision against the enemies of God, when there was a provision against the enemies of God, God says that with the enemies... I'm going to basically, I'm going to destroy them. The enemies of God are those who don't believe that they need God. They can fight against God and win. The problem with people who feel that they can fight against God and win is that they haven't come to their full senses. Do you not know that when you do wrong and continue to do wrong, it's only a matter of time before the Lord brings that to an end? Doing wrong eventually comes to an end. When one does wrong, one should be basically saying, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. It took the children of Israel going into captivity to realize that what God had been saying before, he meant. And that I'm going to carry out against you those things that are actually meant for the enemies of yours, but I'm going to carry it out against you. Why? Because you are treating me like an enemy. So, the Lord says, I'm going to bring you back into the land now that you have experienced captivity, and now you're going to be the ones to drive out the enemy, Edom. But it took captivity for them to get the message. Now, I want you to note this. Edom represents, really, all of the enemies of God. While we look at Esau... And we look at the descendants of Edom, when you look at verse 21, when you really look at this, Edom really is the enemy, represents all of the enemies. Savior should go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. When the Bible speaks of saviors, 
you've got to go back to the judges. It takes us to a time before the monarchy, before the Israelites had kings. And the Lord would send to the children of Israel deliverers who were judges. The judges had not only the responsibility of a spiritual nature, but they had a political nature as well with the people. And when there was a problem, God would raise up for the children of Israel a judge to lead them who became their savior. When the enemy was attacking them and they were hiding in the mountains or when there was a problem, God would raise up often the most unlikely person and say, you are the one to go deliver my people. And the Lord would raise them up. And the Bible says in Obadiah that he's going to send saviors in to root out. Now remember this. This still is a type and a symbol of the Savior who was to come. (laughs) Do you not know it's a good thing to have a Savior? It's a good thing to be saved. Have you ever had a close call with something? Have you ever had something where your life flashed in front of you? And you said, I was just saved. Or by the skin of my teeth, I was saved. Some of you can remember things right now that you said, just at the nick of time, this happened. I was saved. God will use the judges to help lead the people into righteousness. And I want you to note something. When there was a good judge that came into the land, the Bible spoke of there being peace for 20, 30, 40 years. But when that judge died, The people went right back to sin. Let me ask you this. What does the life of sin give you? The perpetual life of sin. What are you gaining or benefiting from it? One of the dangers is that we will be forever telling ourselves one day. And you will be 75 years old saying one day. You see, sin has a way of telling you that you've got time. You see, the problem with Edom and how they occupied the land, you will discover that they thought that their time would never come to an end. Let me tell you this as well. When the Bible said that in verses 19 through 20 that the Lord was going to root out the Edomites and the Philistines, you see, the Edomites even partnered with the Philistines. And the Lord says that I'm going to give the Israelites... Judah, and I'm going to give them the land of the Philistines. The Philistines had five major cities. Ashdod, Ashkelon, Ekron, Gath, and I believe Gozon. They had five cities, and the Lord says, I'm going to root them out, and I'm going to give their land, the area that they possess, to my people. The Philistines partnered with the Edomites, to deliver Judah to the enemy, and then came and occupied their land as well. If the Lord has promised you something, it makes no difference if the enemy is there right now. The Lord knows how to root them out. And I want to tell you this. If you want the enemy to be rooted out of your life, it won't happen until you become faithful in honoring God. Do you not know that revival always starts with repentance? 
Repentance. Repentance. Revival starts with repentance. It starts with prayer. It doesn't start with a high, strong emotion that, oh, I'm going to really do it. No, it starts with repentance. Lord, I'm sorry. We have blown it. Whenever the children of Israel would make it right with God, they would confess, we've blown it. And what would be the requirement? Going right back to the very thing that they were supposed to do before, which is what? Obeying God from the very first. Isn't it wonderful that you don't have to guess at what you have to do? So as the Lord says, I'm going to bring saviors into the land. I'm glad today that when we consider Christ the ultimate savior, He's going to defeat all of the evil ones. Satan doesn't have a chance. And when the Lord says, I'm going to restore you to the land and bring you back in, it's because of his mercy. If you have enemies right now that you're concerned about, how many of you have prayed for them that God would do the work in their lives that needs to be done? Now, now, now be careful because you would want to, you want to get even. I know you want to get even. But how many of you really have said, Lord, there are things that right now that people are doing against me or situations. And I'm in obedience to your will, Lord. I'm doing what you've called me to do. I'm being faithful in my service to you. I'm worshiping you. Not I'm trying, Lord. No, I'm doing what you've called me to do. Now, though this may be hard, trying and doing God's will are two different things. We sometimes can make excuses because we're saying, I'm trying. How many of you try to get in the shower and just don't make it? How many of you try to get a bath and just don't make it? I tried today. Been now three months, Lord. <laughs> I say try a little harder. So we, we, make, we, we say we try, but I'm trying, Lord, to get this food to my mouth. But you know, I can't make it. Oh, yes, you can. We do what we want to do. It's not going to necessarily be easy, but I'm going to tell you this. Be faithful. Let God do the work in your life. Be faithful to his word. And the Lord says, this is what I'll do. I'll bless you. I'll call the enemy who's causing you problems to back off of you. And I'll use him to make you. One of these days, get this, we're going to be out of here. We are going to be out of here one of these days. Today, Lord, we are grateful to you that you have prepared a place for us. We pray today that we will honor you by living righteously, that we will not make excuses, but that we will do exactly what you have called us to do. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.